Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the Salic Soul Podcast. I'm Andrew Millen, and you're all very welcome to this episode of the podcast when I will be chatting to Bobby Bluebell from Scottish band The Bluebells about life, Glasgow, rock and roll, and Celtic. This episode of this podcast has been sponsored by O'Shea's Temple Bar Dublin, Irish restaurant, and we thank Martin for his continued support of both the fanzine and the podcast. Thanks very much to all our listeners, viewers, and readers for their continued support. And if you like what we do and you're a Celtic-minded business or a Celtic supporters club and you would like to sponsor an episode of the podcast, please email me at info at and you can contact us through social media where you'll find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. Don't forget to visit our website for daily news and articles. You can also find all our podcasts and video content there, details of how to purchase and subscribe to the fanzine, which we have been publishing for the last 21 years. Issue 119, the print edition is now sold out, but you can still download the digital edition by visiting our shop on celticfanzine.com, where you will also find all our t-shirts, badges, merchandise and back issues. We are currently putting issue 120 together, and it can be pre-ordered from as early as next week on the website. The Celtic Soul podcast is available across all platforms, Apple, Spotify, Acast, etc. So hit the subscribe button. You'll never miss an episode, and you can also listen to all the podcasts on our YouTube channel, Celtic Fanzine TV, and also on YouTube at Celtic Fanzine TV. You'll find our video content, including interviews with Celtic players Matt O'Reilly, manager Ange Postacoglu, and the captain Callum McGregor, and other Celtic players past and present. You can also watch our Celtic fan content on Talk from the Terrace, the Grand Isle History Pod, and interviews with some famous faces from the music world the world of politics and, of course, some from the entertainment business. So please hit that subscribe, follow and alarm button, Celtic Fanzine TV, and you'll never miss an episode. Keep an eye out on CelticFanzine.com and our social media channels for upcoming events, including Celtic AM specials, dinners, play on nights, book launches, gigs, and even a festival in Thailand. It's been a long two years, so it's great to be back. And thanks to everyone who turned up at Morphy's Glasgow for our Celtic AM special with Paddy McMenamin, where we launched his new book before the Bodo Glimp game. Special thanks to Dr. Joe Bradley and Lisbon Lyon John Fallon, who also joined us for a chat. Now that's the spiel out of the way, folks, so thanks very much for supporting us. Um, I suppose my guest today, I don't really know him that well. I think I've bumped into him once or twice. I've seen him more on stage, I think, than I've seen him in person. Uh, my first memory of Bobby Bluebell, and indeed the Bluebells, was most likely as a teenager when I watched them on Top of the Pops, I think around the mid-80s, maybe 84. And uh, I remember knocking into a neighbour next door, um, Tal, and he was out to buy the single, Young I Had, and we played it in his room once or twice. And if memory serves me right, a song we were familiar with from growing up as kids in, in Ireland, the Patriot game was on the B-side. Bobby Bluebell, you're very welcome to the Celtic Soul Podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for coming along, Bobby. It's uh, because of technology, even though I'm in Glasgow twice a week, we'll still do it through Zoom. Because this is, I know, this, this is the last easy week option. We met each other last week. We should have done it right there and then. Yeah, possibly. But 
I had a couple of points on me. I had a couple of points on me, Bobby, so it might have been uh, <laughs> the last time we met. Um, but the, yeah, the last time we chatted was at the Glasgow Derby at Celtic Park. Uh, what a night it turned out to be. Some results, some performance. And uh, always good to get a win against our local rivals. Yeah, it was fantastic. It's a great night, actually, and a really great night. I mean, we, I think the optimism before the game was, um, obviously it was justified, but it was very telling, you know, I think, because we're all long-time Celtic supporters, so we kind of we kind of, kind of tuned in, if you get my drifts. We kind of know when it's going to be a good night, and we worry when we're, we're a bit dubious and hope for the best. But that night, I think, I've never seen such optimism in my life in, in, the, in the stadium. Yeah, it was a it was a special atmosphere um, all day. But Bobby, um, I was in the city yeah. from early morning, and the whole like the hotel bar was packed from breakfast time. Every bar was you know full full house signs up from lunchtime, and then yeah. um, like we we ended up going to a restaurant in the afternoon because it was the only place we could get a bit of comfort because every pub was packed, all the regular haunts just packed. You came to the West End; it was perfect there. I couldn't afford to drink up there. I, I drink in East End. <laughs> it's all free. <laughs> well, free for you, maybe, but certainly not free for me. Uh, yeah, probably, but, you know, Ange Postecoglou's players, you know, they're creating a, a great buzz in the city again, especially among the Salic support. Um, but there's one thing that's uh, creating a buzz in the city as well, and that's, you know, we're now going back to gigs. I managed to get to the Barrowlands for the selector and from the jam. Didn't even know the gig was on. Managed to buy a ticket outside. Uh, I think it was after the was it the Mullerwell game. No, not Mullerwell. Um the late the late winner. Um Abada. Anyway, me 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 has gone with two games a week. But I managed to, I, 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 I did to the Gallagher after the the game and seen seen the tour bus and strolled over and says, Who's playing? And they told me and I ended up picking up a ticket outside off a lad. Yeah. And it was brilliant to be back. It was the first time I've been at a gig in, in, in over two years. And what a place to go back to a gig. Then I, I, I was lucky enough to be at Texas last week in the Olympia Theatre. Uh, I got two gigs because they'd done the, the Southside album as a kind of an acoustic as the support band. And then they came out and done all the hits. And again, the Olympia Theatre is one of the top venues in Ireland. So to be back in two iconic venues um, after returning to football about six months ago, just ju- just amazing. Um, as a musician and, and someone who gigs, like two years in lockdown, and then take it back. Are you back out gigging, or, or what's the plans? Are, or are yeah. you even going to gigs? Yeah, we, we played the Barlands funny enough, uh, just after the lockdown stopped for the um, the Scottish Music Awards, and we played a few gigs since since that period. Since since the whole thing's gone, you know, come, come along COVID. So there's always been little gaps where you could play gigs, you know. And we're playing down the Rabbit Hole in July, which is a big festival up at Lake of Monteith in Scotland, which has been postponed now for the last two years. So yeah. It's, it's good, and I'm really glad Texas are back playing again, obviously. You know, they're playing in Glasgow soon. I, I went with them the last time they played it at that, that theatre in Dublin, Olympia. It was a brilliant gig. It's a great venue, really great venue. Yeah, you mentioned Dublin there. Have you uh, you have obviously played back in, the, back in the heyday, maybe, in, yeah, in Dublin and in Ireland. Yeah. So you have to have some stories yeah. of, of those trips. Yeah, well, we, we, that one we went to with Texas, I remember um, it was... I was really shocked because that's where the Beatles played, you know. It was a bit, it was a really famous Beatles venue, so that was one of the places for us. But when we played, I, I went there the last time was with Shakespeare's sister, and we we did a tour around Ireland. We, we actually kissed the Blarney Stone, 
as you can probably tell, you know. And uh, I mean, Dublin, I remember going around Dublin. It's a really, I mean, Ireland's a really strange place for, for a Scottish person to go around, you know, because it's so similar in lots of ways. But all we ever got warned was don't go to Stab City, you know, which I think is Limerick, I think, is it? You know, and uh, Limerick was, was, was brilliant, you know. I mean, I mean we've also played as the Bluebells, we played the Ballybunion Bachelor Festival which was basically a town full of priests in, in, in plain clothes, you know, trying to cop off of anybody they could, you know, including some of our band. <laughs> <laughs> Great golf courses too, of course. Yeah, you, you, you like the golf, don't you? Yes, we all like golf in Scotland, I think. It's I I done the book launch with Paddy McManaman last week, and Paddy's a massive golf fan, and I had to pull him up because John Fallon's a golf fan, and he was in the audience, and I'm saying, look, oh, we wow. didn't come here to talk about golf, you know, because it's, for me, it's, 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 a, it's this foreign um, thing. I can't understand why anyone would walk around. Well, a golf I, I, well, I was out playing with Fat McAvaney and, and, and then John Hartson last week. All, all the football players are obviously mad for golf. All, all, a lot of the pop bands like Johnny played a, a long time in Texas. And obviously you get people like Lloyd Cole, you know. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very big thing in Scotland amongst golfers. I, mean, I think, I, I think I'd like stuff. to just go and maybe carry the bag around and listen to the likes of Lloyd Cole and yourself chatting about gigs and stuff well, that, like that. That's, that's a big thing. And the big thing about golf is the chat, to be honest, you know, it is the, the, the camaraderie, you know I mean? I would say very few of us are good golfers, but we're all very good at talking. <laughs> and writing. And writing, yeah, well, maybe. maybe. <laughs> um, and do you see Lloyd Cole much? As I know you see Johnny from Texas. He's coming over soon. I'm going to take. I'm going to try and take him up to Loch Lomond and stuff like that. But he's over soon. He's he lives in America, so he's he's uh, his tour has finally been given the the okay to go ahead. So he'll be he'll be here soon, you know. And Lawrence from the Bluebells, his son's an up and coming, highly tipped golfer. You know, he he got to the semi-finals as the British amateur, uh, Scottish amateur, I think it was uh, during this during the uh, last summer there. So fingers crossed for his career too, you know. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And I know George McCluskey's son um, is, I think he plays in the blind team. He plays for Scotland on the blind team. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's, exactly. it's, um, I've read a few things on about him. But it's just, it's just, it's a thing I never really, and it's funny where I live, I'm surrounded by golf courses. You he have been in Count, Count Count Lead, where they had the Irish yeah. Open. Yeah, you must be quite close to a lot of great golf courses. Just, it's just out the road for me. That's the kind of the toughest course because when players come over to do functions, they generally take in a game of golf and when I did send them to Baltray, as we call it, but it's known as County Loud, um, they all come back and say, oh, it's too, such a tough course and such a this. And all, all golf courses are too tough. <laughs> They're all hard. <laughs> they got, I'm, I'm just about five miles here to the sea, so like there's obviously the Lynx courses around me, the Sea Point as yeah. well, and then Bettystown. So, but as I said, you know, a good field that that could you could graze good cattle on them fields, or maybe walk the dog instead of playing golf. Well, it's always the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, just before the lockdown, um, around Christmas, Texas done it, did a gig for uh, the homeless in the SW Tree. I think that's the name of the venue. Yes, and, that's me, right. and by the way, my son thanks you for um, getting him on the guest list. This to it. Oh, no problem. A rave DJ there recently because usual gang of lads arrive in Glasgow, you know, think they can just buy tickets at the door and then, you know, couldn't get in. But a few, I just a few text messages were there and you got yeah. them in. Yeah, well, Johnny got them in, but I just passed the message on. But yeah, they were more, more than welcome. It's a great gig, that. A really fantastic gig. Oh, they, he, lo- he loves the dance music. He's off now. He's heading to the beat of the DJ for the summer. He's he? He's just got to do his final exams. This next month, he's an electrician. So it's a DJ exams now. <laughs> if he passes his exams, he'll be gone for four months. Um, <laughs> 
because I, th- I think because of the lockdown as well, you know, I think just like two years of not having any gigs to do. And yeah. well, I, I, in fairness, now he honed his craft. He's he spent hours producing stuff and his own tunes and that. So he's okay. he's looking forward to. Um, he was over there for five days last summer. I think he done one of them villas. You have a great time. I think he was on. I think he was four. I think he was, said he was on at five o'clock in the day, and the main DJ didn't come on until two in the morning. So I think he might have just played to his mates. Wow. That's a long shift, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. Um, so, but yeah. Um, thanks. Thanks for getting him in. Anyway, he he said he said the pass on me. Thanks. But you DJ there that night, and you're doing um, a great old eighty set. We we really loved it. Yeah. Th- yeah. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Well, I was. It, we we're trying to match the period of, of as you mentioned before, Southside. So uh, Johnny and Charlene helped me with some of that, that playlist as well. We were trying to capture the, 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 the vibe that they had when they were recording the album, their first album in the South Side, you know. So uh, I think we caught it quite well, fingers crossed anyway. Uh, they're an incredible band as well when you think that um, it's the original lineup, with the exception of the drummer on this yeah. tour. Uh, like yeah. To stay together so long and have such long longevity when, you know, yourself, a lot of rock and roll people, they they tend to fall out and then fall back yeah, in love well, later on well they've got a great she's a great singer she's a really I think she's just got better every, every record because she's she was fantastic at the start but she now she's just world class you know and I think the biggest thing about Texas is the song quality never really drops you know the, the, the songs just the, they're first class songs all the time you know yeah the, the new album was brilliant and then they, they finished yeah. um, the show off with a cover of Come and Eileen and you know, I know what a great band she's been in the runners and there was kind of like I, I kind of see similarities from that kind of Dexy's Celtic, you know, the Celtic yeah. soul, soul rebel stuff, um, the later stuff uh, in the eighties. We're kind of the bluebells, uh, you know. Well, we were good friends. We were we were friends with Kevin. We still are friends with Kevin, but um, we, were, we were on the same kind of record label phonogram, and we used to, we used to stay in the same boarding house as them in, in Kilburn when we first moved down. And uh, I think I think. It's just a kind of zip guys thing because obviously the pogs were going. I think we were Scottish people and Irish people are very drawn to folk and country music, you know. I think because we originated it basically. And uh, I remember uh, Kevin was going to get married at one point, and he was suggesting that we played at his wedding, you know. And I think that was that was that was a um, we did the perfect perfect song to play at his wedding. By the way, you know, come on, Eileen and Young at heart and, and a little medley. I think Funny I think I've heard about a couple of ones. Well, I, I sang on a heart with Texas at, uh, in Glasgow a couple of times uh, at Kelvin, Kelvin Grove Park, you know, in the, in, in the amphitheatre there. So we did we, we did a cover of Young at Heart with Texas, and Sha- me and Charlie sang it together. And it was it was really really great moment for me, you know. Brilliant, and it's still it's still a song that kind of has you know um, everyone seems to know no matter what age they are. The Young at Heart song um, people may know may not know, especially younger people. It's not the bluebells, but they'll have heard it and they'll be able to sing along. It's just one of them songs that has, you know, maybe true when it was it was used in an advert, wasn't it? That's right, for Volkswagen, correct, yeah. So that so that's how you could get the new golf clubs. <laughs> I made more money out of DJing, I think, than I made out of Young at Heart, I think, you know. Yeah, yeah, tell us DJing a little bit about DJing. Well, I, I was DJing since probably about, I was I probably started a bit, when the Bluebells first started, we, we played in a place called The Rock Garden, which is a, a bar in Glasgow, in Queen Street. And the owner there, we'd, we'd have parties there, so I started DJing at them. And then he asked me to DJ there on a regular basis. And then um, from there, he bought a lot of clubs like The Tunnel and, and uh, The Volcano and, and places like that in Glasgow. So it, it just became like a sort of like, there was a kind of lull in the Bluebells between sort of like, 
the early nineties to, to you know, for ten years and I just dated all the time, maybe four or five, sometimes seven nights a week. So um it, it was it's a great job, DJ and your son's about to find out, but uh, it, it really keeps you in tune with I love music and I love going to clubs, but I don't like dancing if you get my drift. So um the best job for a person that who doesn't like dancing in a club is to DJ really. Yeah, it, it's it's like it's a great buzz. I DJ and it's like I suppose I don't know when I was younger, but I found it hard to get gigs with the music I played because, you know, the, the back here then, like, you know, it was trendy clubs and they wanted the local the you know, the the leading pop songs at the time, you know, the the top well, four. Glasgow's a very kind of house city and techno, you know, it was, it's always been driven. Of course you have the, you can throw in those kind of tunes in, into the mix, but it, it, in Glasgow, you, they dance hard, so you can't really, if, you, if you're doing the ar- ar- arches or, or the tunnel, you've got to keep folk dancing the whole time, you know, otherwise you're not going to have a job really, you know. I think I've only been in the arches once and that was to see Toots and the Maytales and that was, and Bob. Well, I was, I was that guy, I went to see them there, maybe the same night. Oh, brilliant, yeah, yeah it, was, it was a summer's and night, think- um, we were on our way to Canada and we stopped for one night in Glasgow. We were flying the next morning and we didn't, again, we didn't know Toots were playing and again, we had to bum our way into the gig. You've got the best life, haven't you? But we get, uh, <laughs> that's, that, that's a long time ago. I've, I've looked enough to see Toots a few times when it's brilliant because I, I do a ska reggae club with a friend of mine. Well, we haven't done it since before the lockdown, but hopefully we'll get back. But I'm actually, I'm, I'm back, uh, I, I DJed in Glasgow and McCool's. I've done an alternative kind of, I do alternative tunes. I don't do, do house music, but people do dance. Bit of northern soul and a bit of bit of reggae. Well, I, I did I did reggae for nothing nothing but reggae for five years in the, in the brasserie and in or more, and I loved it. I mean, the, the song reggae is just the best thing in the world, man. If you find the right tracks, they're, yeah. they're just incredible. And it's funny, Johnny's. I, I I got talking to Johnny um about reggae music in in, in Satley Park. That's how I met Johnny. It wasn't like that. Well, it wasn't that he was you know um, Texas. It was we we started talking about reggae music. And, well, he's um, he's come down to the club because it because it was reggae. So all the time I've ever seen Johnny go to the club. Well, he, he, lo- he, he loves it, <laughs> yeah. and he gave me this studio one. It's like a lounge book for your table. The next game I met him, he gave I've me this it. book, and it's just this. It's 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 fantastic. You know, anyone that's into you know old scar or reggae, and they just yeah. every every you know you turn every page, and it's just and you're going, oh, I've got that album, or I haven't got that album. No, I need to listen to that, and but but. It's great now with, with technology, you know, YouTube and that, that you can go on and listen to these. But exactly. It, it, it's it's just like, and it was funny, at, in between the Texas, the Southside set and, and the, as I said, the rock and roll gig at, in the Olympia, my mate had turned around to me, the guy I DJ, and he says, he says, some magic tunes here, they're all covers, you know. They're, and Johnny had put a reggae ska set together for the interval. And Fantastic. I knew it was him, that I, I knew it was only him because they went yeah. like, you know, there weren't a normal, like, like floor fillers, if you'll say. There was a couple of tunes yeah, yeah. there that I was kind of going, oh, who's that? And, uh, yeah, it was brilliant. But I'm back at, I was in McCool's in, in, in the summer, and it was just brilliant to be back DJing. And then um, I'm back there in March, the day after Paddy's Day. But I got, awesome, my, fo- I got my first I'll, gig I'll, in I'll, Ireland. Yeah, oh, brilliant, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a Friday night, yeah. Um, and we, we got a fo- I got my first gig this Saturday. I just got a text just to see if I do a gig. No, well, I'm I'm up at four in the morning to go to Hibs game, but it's, and I finish at one. But I says I can't tone it down. I just because I just is that, like I do like dancing and and, and making an EJ of myself and that. But there's nothing there's nothing better than going on and and seeing someone tapping the feet of your plane. Or, yes. um, 
And I've DJ'd to three people, like, so, like, when you go into a yeah. place and it's full, it's such a buzz, like. Do you know the best bit of the night is always the start when there's no one there and then people come in bit, bit, bit and you can just see them getting, you know, because at the end of the night it's all all packed, it's really hard to see anybody. But that, that thing you're talking about when they walk in and already they're moving and, and it, it really makes you feel great, I think, that, you know. Yeah, and sometimes in places that, you're, like, this wouldn't be a room I'd normally be in. But you're kind of playing with your eyes at the start because you're watching yes. who's coming in, you know. And yeah, you, you can always. nearly, you're, you're trying to tell by how they're dressed or how they're reacting, yeah. what music you might like, you yeah. know, to, to feel them into it. But so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'll be tired in, in Easter Road on, on Sunday, but I, I don't care. I'm, ju- I'm just delighted to be back because it was a, it was just a long, long time to be, to be doing uh, you know, to be doing podcasts on Zoom and, yeah. and kind of living living the life of a monk, really. Um, but yeah, but Johnny, I want to go back forward. And I know we spoke there yeah. a bit about DJing, and I tip, just tipped on your music a little. Uh, growing up in Glasgow, yeah. Well, I, I was born in, in Govan, uh, in, in Govan Road. My my dad was a Rangers fan. You know, he was, a, and my mum was an Italian Catholic. So, so growing up till I was about. I mean, I obviously I wasn't conscious enough about it, but but, but four, or five, four or five years, my dad had quite a tough time. What he worked in the shipyards, you know, but in the end, it, it did it didn't matter at all. His his, his friends stopped by him, you know, and then we moved up to Creighton, which is just up Helen Street, really close to Ibrooks. And uh, my first ever uh, football game was with my dad to see Rangers, you know. And I was about six or seven. He told me, and like he said, uh, it was funny. It was a cup game against Hamilton, and I didn't want to leave. He said because. I thought they had, I thought they got awarded the cup, but it was only the third round, you know. So we had to we waited in an empty stadium because I wasn't leave, you know. But when but I went to I went to a school called Lourdes up on uh, Paisley Road West. So me and my, my friends we all started to go to see Celtic about nine or ten, you know, and there was no problem with my father at all. He was he was quite happy with all that, you know. And when you say when you say there, Bobby, that um, he, did he get hassled for being married to a Catholic? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then not not. I mean, his family were. were Kind of Northern Irish based, and like my dad was a really good, a really good guy. I've been his dad's a good guy, but I mean, he he never, we never cut, picked up on any of that stuff. It was only years later that when I was like, you know, a lot older that we talked about it, you know, because he wasn't very talkative. He's on night shift all the time in Fairfield, so I never saw him a lot of the time growing up. It was I would go to school, he would come home from work, you know, he I come back from school, he would go to work, so it would be like. Uh, it was like ships that pass in the night, you know. Yeah. But so it's only when he when he retired from work that we actually really had the conversations that a, a father and a, and a son would have normally, you know. And that was great. That was a great period for me. Yeah, and you said you know you went to to see Celtic at a young age. Um, yeah. I I didn't see Celtic till I was in my late teens because and and I was attracted by um, the Irish the Irish international players that were playing. The tricolor flying out overhead, you know, it was yeah. quite appealing to a teenager. Plus, there was also buses going through the town that were picking up to go to Glasgow <coughs> for games. They weren't picking up for any other club, so yeah. it, it was. Like, I had an older brother that was living in London, and he was going to games and sending me back fanzines and programs and stuff like that. And he brought me home the uh, history of Celtic one Christmas and a video, a book and a video. So, and that was yeah. kind of that was kind of my stand, but. I'm always fascinated, you know, when people are just born into it. Or, or in your case, you were born into it, into a, a mixed marriage. You know, yeah. In a I think Catholic a lot, a lot of us were, I mean, in Glasgow, it's very common. You know, I'm, I'm big friends with, with uh, Graham from uh, Hipsway, and he was, he's a Rangers fan. But it, again, you know, 
mixed family again. I think you know, right? The, the, but he, it's real. The friendship thing in Glasgow is very underrated between Celtic and Rangers fans. People like to create this image of division. Do you know what I mean? You know, like uh, you know, but it's I, to be honest, right? I've I've really seen it. You know, I know there's fanatics. You know, like, but I've, I've really been witness to. It. I mean, I remember when I was eight years about age, uh, Celtic won the European Cup and. And we lived in Peyton Place Road West and they had to come back from the airport, from Albert Sunch Airport. And all the neighbours in my street, Protestants and Catholics, you know, Jews and Hindus, everybody were, right, came out and cheered the, cheered the buses that went along, you know. So unless I've, I've got a false memory, but I, I didn't feel any of that kind of like uh, animosity back then at all. You know, even now I've, I've, I've seen it, but, but really, really experienced it, you know. Yeah, well, I suppose the, the the rock and roll scene is 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 a mixed scene, always has been, you know. And Glasgow was a melting yeah. pot of cultures. Yep, and the club scene. There you go. I mean, the club scene. No one knows who you support in the club. You know, you yeah. get into dance. You know. Yeah, and it, it's funny as well with with, with you know, with no one the sport or you know what kick or footy kick or whatever in yeah. music. Um, and when, when the when the dancing became big, in like in in eighty nine, eighty eight, eighty nine, like. A lot of the football hooligans who, 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 you know, especially down in the well south said. of England, you know, they well were, yeah, rather than you know killing each other, they, they would, they would, some of them were running the doors at, at the raves, and and others were in hugging each other, you know. They were getting too rich to, to fight, you know. That, that was, <laughs> it's just strange, like you know, um, the way that I suppose music unites and, and football divides. Well, it's the way it's always been. I mean, even in Ireland, you know, the civil rights marches that start with Protestants and Catholics, it wasn't just like, it was, it was, I don't think the word Catholic was particularly mentioned, though they wanted to vote, but, but then you, divisiveness is, is designed to, to, to separate people, you know, who, who should be, I mean, we should be fighting things more important than, than that, you know, I mean, I mean, Britain's becoming a very right wing country, to, to, sorry to get political, but, but, we, but you watch that program on BBC, The Rise of the Nazis, and you see that that was kind of slept walked into, you know, people knew it was wrong, but they didn't bother speaking up against it. And, we, and we've got a very right wing cabinet, you know, I mean, very right wing, Pretty Patel, you know, Rab, people like that, dangerous people, you know, and there's, and the press here is very, um, moribund, is that the right word, you know, well, they, well, they just seem to accept that, that, that's that's the state of affairs, you know. We there should be really. I mean, I'm surprised there's not protest marches and 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 but maybe this that's just part of the process in Britain that we, we just accept that what we're given, you know. Yeah, I think it, it can be the same in Ireland when it comes to politics and that people just go, oh well, sure. That's Scotland too, yeah. Sure, what about sure? Nothing will change, you know. Like they yeah. won't, they won't well, change who they vote for because they go, ah, sure, nothing will change. I remember reading a book about the IRA once, and uh, I think it was a guy called Joel Egan or something, Joel Egan, I'm not too sure, but uh, he was saying that uh, it doesn't matter what flag's flying over a country, in the end you'll shop in Tesco and watch Coronation Street. And I thought that was pretty much spot on, you know. And it, 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 the book launch we did last week was Paddy McMenamin, and Paddy's book is called From Arm Struggle to Academia. Uh, and, and Paddy's 68 now, and he finally yeah. got round during the lockdown to write his book. But, you know, I'm reading the book at the moment and he, he, he does speak about the civil rights marches and he speaks about joining, he didn't come from a Republican family, but he joined Nafina to, to protect yeah. the area. But, you know, his early politics and the, the, the split between the official IRA and uh, in, into the, yeah. you know, and the prison IRA, you know, it was politics, you know, they believed, you know, that, that, that working Catholics and working class Protestants, you know, 
had had the same goals and absolutely that. and and then absolutely. you know but it, it turned out then that it, it, they didn't like you know because 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 of the conflict that then raged but he's he's so honest and he, he even talks about you know the books well, you, you, the books he was reading in prison. You mentioned the Patriot game we did as a B-side. We did that in 1983 because of the Falklands War, and we did it with Dominic Bean, who wrote, wrote the original lyrics of the song. And we changed them because, um, you know, he had a bit of a dispute with his brother anyway about the stickies and the trolls, right, you know. And so he was trying to make it completely clear in our version what he was singing about, which is what we're mentioning, how people can manipulate youngsters, the young people, into an ideology that, that maybe if they really thought about it, was just the same ideology as the person they were fighting, you know? So I think, I mean, we, we got a lot of grief over doing that song, but I'm very proud that we did do that song, you know? I'm very proud that, as the Bluebells, that we took a stance against the Falklands War and we took a stance, even though we're, we're seen as being a kind of like, you know, tree pop band, we, we are far from being a tree pop band, if you get me, just same as, as Kevin Rowland and, and same as most people in pop groups, but, you know, there's, there isn't a lack of a message there, you know. I mean, music is a medium that you have to communicate something in your songs, you know. And I think a lot of the songs that are dismissed as being, you know, three pop songs are not at all. If you really listen to the lyrics and you really study, you know, and understood what the bands were trying to achieve. I'm talking about people like Depeche Mode and Culture Club, you know, I'm talking about Wham, you know, who, and of course Paul Weller, you know, who really knew that what side was the right side and, and weren't, weren't afraid to, to, to state that, you know, as they went along. Yeah, I suppose, and, of course. I suppose my growing up and we're putting posters on our wall about, you know, smash hits and, um, you know, watching Top of the Pops. And then when we get a little older, we get, you know, especially, uh, well, I did anime in my teens, I got quite political and it was from going to gigs like the House Martins and, you know, bands like the Redskins and Billy Bragg and that, yeah. because you were, you were getting political um, newspapers and leaflets outside fanzines and that so the mu- music certainly had shaped has shaped my politics yeah well look at Banana Rama right Banana Rama right with, and, and and Gary Kemp from Spandau Valley I think they went as well Thomas Riley got shot in the back by, by the British Army right he was a he walked, his brother was in stiff little fingers you know and uh, the three girls went and walked behind that coffin you know, can you imagine the, the, the outrage that caused because there was a bombing campaign in Britain at the time and they still had the guts and the decency to do that, you know? I mean, you know, because that, that, that's the sort of thing that, that, that I think people should try and remember. You know, it's completely forgotten about, you know, and then Gary Kemp wrote that song about the same thing, you know, through the barricades. You know, Paul McCartney wrote Kev Island Back to the Irish. But all these songs are kind of dismissed as being, like I said, trivial pop songs, but they've actually got a lot of meaning, you know, and a lot of guts to do. Yeah, and it's funny you should mention um, Dago, um, when... when he was a Celtic fan, and I've, I've we've heard about his story from his friends, and um, we've had them on Sat- at Saturday AM in Glasgow, but we've never recorded them on the podcast. And I met Adrian Digny, who who would have been a friend of Dacos, and I they they had a big banner um, for him on the anniversary of his death at a Celtic Park, and when they hung it, and the Riley family came over, and I met Jim, and I'm yeah. actually waiting for Jim. Um, now to just to confirm, he's going to come down on the train with AIDS, and we're going to record him in the studio uh, about, about his musical career and and his brother, and we get you know because it, it, please send him a greetings as well. And please I, I will indeed, yeah. Um, I, I, I love stuff little fingers as well. 
Um, fantastic bands. I think one of my older brothers brought in the first album into the house and, and the singles and that, and that was that was kind of it. And I, I, I've been lucky enough. I've I've kept all the records of all my older brothers. Me too. I've got all the. I, I, I was the older brother. <laughs> well, I was the youngest. <laughs> and the oldest got married, just, and the other two moved to England. <laughs> yeah, the old the oldest uh, got married, and then he moved out, and then the other two lads moved to England. So. I claimed all the records, and you know that's a gold mine you've got there. Well, by the it way. was great because the oldest lad was a boot boy, so I had all the kind of glam rock stuff. Wow. The next, the next brother was a, was a punk, and then he got into rockabilly, so I had that. And then the next brother was a mod, and I was into ska. So we had, you know, it was a great <laughs> I was all those, I was all those things in one person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but you know, it's only when you get older, you know, you put them all into like when you're young, you know, you're into this music, and you don't, into, you know, exactly. When you get older, then like you put them all into your DJ set because they're just yeah. good, good tunes. But yeah, so hopefully, hopefully, Jim, and if Aids, if you're listening, but you do listen, you know, you need to get them down because this is this is knocking on yeah, a couple on. of weeks now. Yeah, get him on. Yeah, because he'd be a good guest. Now, before we move on to the Bluebells, just any early memories from um, from Celtic? Yeah, well, it's funny because, I mean, we were talking about the other day, but in fact, the day you were there when we were at, at the old firm game, you know, Josh Conley always sticks out, you know, for for, for me, maybe because of the, of the story of how it's quite a pop star story, you know, it's kind of like the, the flaming comet. And then gone, you know, like that's very much a you know one hit wonder kind of thing, you know, pop star thing. And even to the, I mean, I remember buying books about Josh Conley and trying to work out why he chucked it, you know, you know, well, how could you become such a good player and then walk out of it so quickly, you know? But it was a lot deeper than that, you know. But, uh, but he sticks out. But lots of things. I remember. I remember things like when we were in the charts and and the jungle was still going. And uh, people singing your name in the jungle, you know, and, and, and feeling like dead chuff because they played Young at Heart a lot at, at, at the start. We did, we did the Celtic 1988 record, uh, the Bluebells and a few other bands. We did the, the, the EP for them, you know, with, we sang all the old songs in, our, in a kind of modern way, you know, and, and used to play that every 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 half time, you know. So it was always, it was always a, a, a great feeling. But the biggest thing I remember, and, and we'll just talk this again, as I say, another day, we really miss changing ends, you know, where you could, where you would start, other goal Celtic were shooting into, you would start there and then walk round because um, it's a difficult thing to sit next to the same person for six years, you know, or in the same area. I think it's, I think it's took a, a lot of the fun of football out of it, if you get my drift, you know, where you, where you, a big gang guys would go together and meet there, we'll meet you at that at gate 16 you know, or that gate, you know, and, and now that's kind of like you're all kind of spread out all over the place, you know. So we, I hope. I mean, I noticed what happened with the disasters and you know Bradford and, and Hillsborough, but it'd be great if you could get back to 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 standing, you know, stadiums again. You know, I just think it would be, the atmosphere would be fantastic. And yeah, and like you, like you go to Celtic Park and we have the standing section now, which is the you know it's the envy of yeah. all, all clubs. Like everyone would love a standing section. I'd love to see another standing section coming in, maybe. In, in the Jockstein lower maybe so that the, the boys who are up at the back of the Jockstein the not the other ultra group they could come down because when I went to Torquay there's probably three four uh, ultra groups in the stadium and when yeah. one stops the other starts and it was just yeah. it was a terrifying atmosphere I'd say for you know visiting teams now we, we, we had a few shares before the game so we were we were okay we, we, <laughs> we were feeling brave and we were well caged in but yeah it, it's just and as you say you know used to be able to stand with your mates or walk around to do the goal and obviously football is yeah, remember, remember when, they had, when they had the boys enclosure 
you know, which was a brilliant, a really brilliant idea when it's Who just quit? all young. Boy, I mean, they could do that now. Okay, see in front of the director's box and the main stand. That whole area could be take all the seats out and, and get young kids in there, man. It would be, it would just be phenomenal, and it'd be safe as well. I think you know. Yeah. And can you imagine, you know, I mean, we got young fans. I mean, it's funny when you go to Parkhead and all the kids are with their parents. We never went. I never went. We never went with our parents. You know what I mean? Like, I remember being in the, when when Andy Walker scored the two goals at the Dundee game. I thought I was going to die. It was so. It's so busy, you know. When we were, I was older then. I wasn't a kid, but it was, it, it was the crush was incredible, you know. And I, I don't even remember winning. I don't remember anything about. We know I knew we won the league, right? And we did the whole the whole thing. But all I remember was thinking, how are we going to go? How are we going to go with this? Because it was, it, it was that that scary. So you have to balance the two things. But at that time, I think Celtic were just filling the ground up with everybody they could get in, and you know, and and, and not really telling what you know, not really sticking to the to the regulations, you know? Yeah, well, our supporters club has, uh, we've, we've over 120 season books and the good thing about it is, is that, so we have, we've uh, standing tickets. So, so say, you know, there's a gang of lads going over this week. Well, they'll yeah. use them this week. They'll be in the Jockstein Low the next week, you know? So there's, yeah. there's different areas in the ground. Like, and if they go over with the, if they go over with the partner or they go over with the kids, you know, they don't, yeah. they don't want to go in the standing section. So there's options there for them. And I think a lot of supporters clubs, you kind of walk it like that. But, you know, yeah. I know when Connor was over a couple of weeks ago, like for the, for the gig, he played Mullerwell the next day and it was like, you know, they all wanted standing. They all wanted standing. Um, yeah. Well, we we we're at the stage now. I mean, every time I've been to Park, park recently, you get your dinner. You mean you're you're getting drinks brought to you. So I mean, would I want to lose that again? I don't know, right? But but I still. I then mean, you you go to Hamden, which is probably one of the worst stadiums in the whole world, you know. And you're so far from the action, and it's such a hard place to get to. It's an even worse place to get home from, you know. Right? It's, it's football. It's a dedicated dedication. You have to really. Whereas I remember, I remember when I was as a few boys going there, it never seemed to be the same problem. Just you got the bus, you know. He, you, know, you got home. It seemed to be a lot more buses, you know. Yeah, but you probably more, weren't yeah, thinking about yeah. it then, Bobby. You know, we, as you get yeah. older, you think about, well, how am I going to get home? You, you know? know what? I, I think I think that's what I said about memory. How it placed everything seemed to be better in the past, you know. But. Um, I think the team's fantastic. I, I mean, people say, how would you compare that team to teams from the past? I, I, can you? I mean, do you? Football's changed so much, you know? I mean, I guess, I remember, like, being, being sold at the, the, the fact that Tom Roger couldn't play 90 minutes, you know, right? He had to take him off every seven minutes. Now, obviously, he can play 90 minutes, you know? But can he play 90 minutes three times a week, you know? That, that, that's what... That's how football's changed because it was one game on a Saturday, every team played at three o'clock. I miss that, you know, you know, and then in a national game, you know, it was, it was just that kind of like more space between games. Now, now you can't keep up. There's probably about ten games tonight, ten games tomorrow. You know, I mean, the top bit English games as well. You know, it's a really hard thing to. There seems to be too much football in a lot, a lot of ways. Yeah, before before I started going to to see um we have the League of Ireland here, and League of Ireland tennis were big when I was a kid. They're, they're starting to grow again you now. Yeah. Um, I think I think I was reading an article this week saying that you know attendances were up last week because it was the first first yeah. first round of fixtures because we we've a, we've a summer league we play different to to Scotland and that was it and the only other football we got was um, the big match match of the day 
and we also got a, a midweek game, so you, like midweek sports special and and sports night. So we looked forward, and it didn't matter who, because I remember seeing Celtic and Nottingham Forest on sports night. Yeah, you no know, highlights. I know I I Celtic to me was it didn't you know in the early teens. Apart from my brother having you know Celtic wrote in the school bag, I didn't really know yeah, much yeah. about them. So you would look forward to Wednesday night to watch. Yeah, uh, you know there could be boxing on. It could be you know. Yeah, and, and now and you know every four years you look forward to the Olympics. I would have watched the Winter Olympics. I haven't watched the Winter Olympics because twenty four seven sport now. Yeah, a tyranny of choice, as they call it, is, and it's absolutely spot on, right? I mean, I mean, you, I've, I've, I've bought one of those things for this year because I had good, a good vibe on them. When you just get those ladders, you know, you where you you put the, t- the team that got the table or down the table each week, and you would move it, and, and it's actually brought it's actually brought me focus right in. I mean, to to mean to see Rangers at the top there for a while, right? And now, as you put certain, can we were six at one point, you know, right? To fifth, to fourth, to third. It's quite, I quite like that whole that whole vibe, you know. I like I like knowing who the top scorer is. I'll tell you the difference, right? Which I've noticed, right? In the pop world, they used to have tops of pops, right? So everybody knew who number one the charts were, right? No one in this country or the world knows who number one the charts are anymore, right? There's no tops of pops. No one knows. There's no there's no goal. There's no European Cup for a young band anymore. You can have a young band like St. Glasgow called the Bronies, right? And they're doing really well, right? But they haven't got a top of the pops to get on, so that so all their friends and neighbours and their parents can go, look, that's my daughter, that's my son, and I mean for a boy, like, young boys from Govan and, and Ken Davis from Boswell, it's a, it was a fantastic achievement for us, you know, like because you you kept, you felt validated. Your mums and dads would go to the shops and get people patting the back and going, oh, I saw your boy on telly, you know, right? And so the focus has gone from football a lot, but too, like you mentioned, sports scene. Now, the sports scene's on iPlayer. Now you know, right? You have to watch it when it's on because you can watch it any time, right? Whereas that focus when everyone wanted to get home, you know, now you now get it for radio shows. Everyone rushes out the ground to get in the car, you know, and turn on the radio and hear Chris Boyd saying, you know, three stone four penalties for Rangers denied and Rangers Celtic sixteen offside goals in that game. You, I mean, you you go back because you want to hear the chat and you want you want to get wound up and you want to have the discourse. Now there's that discourse. If you say to somebody, "Did you watch the game last night?" I oh, know what time was it on. I mean, do, do, I mean, you know, the the focus, you know, the attention to detail that, ever, that, that that your whole group of friends had is kind of gone now. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll watch that when I go home. You say now, you know. Yeah, I have a nephew, Robert, and he's 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 football no, and I, I just said, "How could you? How, he he'll be able to tell you know what the game of the day is or." Like he's all the stats and German football, yeah. and he's but he's he's one of the very few because I think there's like there's overkill because you, like, you can sit down at any day and like watch watch football twenty four seven like you know uh-huh. and even now so if you put, do you remember, do you remember everyone knew who won a European Cup right story Bucharest right you know like everyone knew no one knows I mean I asked my friend yesterday we're all big golfers I asked it was four of us played and asked them who won the British Open last year only one of them knew the answer. Yeah, you know, because that's that's what we're talking about. The the, the, the you know the the the, sh- the focus is, isn't there anymore. You know, there's so, there's too much information. You know, there's too many golfers. I mean, I don't mean the too many. I mean, there's too there's too much to come in. Too many tournaments. European Cup. Who won a European Cup last year? I mean, I, I'd have to stretch to think <laughs> to try and remember who won it last year. Was it Chelsea? Yes. Yeah. So I mean, so then I used to know a European Cup winner. I could tell you them all in order. You know, right? I could tell you many times who'd won the European Cup, you know, and it, 
so uh, that that I don't know if that's still the case now. I, I would doubt it. Well, like, People look up Google now for you for that, you know. I could name the Liverpool, the great Liverpool teams of the of there the eighties, but I couldn't name the Liverpool the team now. Team. We, all, we all know the Celtic team off by heart, you know. I mean, it's I, I know the Wembley was Wembley team that beat England off by heart. I mean, but that's the thing is that that again, you you can't even remember. I don't. It's, it's a tough one. I remember Andy Walker, like obviously saying, you know, one of those games, and you remember. The Martin O'Neill area in Seville in the whole thing, which was a really great period of football as well, you know. Still playing Barcelona. I know, I know. They're coming back, you said it. Football's coming home. <laughs> but, 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 oh, no, don't tell me. I remember going to a gig in um, Fizzy Park in London, Madness. Yeah. Tuesday night has Desmond Deco, Rico Rodriguez, uh, Space and Catatonia. What a brilliant gig it was, right? Yeah. But I didn't know when it was going. It was like, it was kind of England's going away. You know, it was, it was, wow. it, I think it was the, <laughs> I think it, football's coming home. It was that year, you right? You sing that song, tell the truth. Everybody was singing it, and you know, in between the bands you? and that, you know, it was a bizarre gig because you had a London band, obviously Madness. So they're the, they're the headline yeah. band, Finsbury Park, outdoors. What a day, sunshine! But then you had, you know, three Jamaican bands, a Welsh band, and a Liverpool band. And Fantastic. From, from talking to the Liverpool people, I know that a lot of them don't follow the national team. So this was whoever had done the lineup was going. They weren't really thinking about England footballs going yeah, yeah. on. Yeah, and it was bizarre because there was there was people Z calling up the front at, at, at you know two the Maytals and you're saying, well, what the fuck did you come here for? Like you know, <laughs> and, and outside the the, the football crews, West Ham, and I remember West Ham, and I think it was Chelsea yeah. were going at her and Tottenham were going at her outside the pub, and it was kind of like I was saying, like. It's not like a gig in Ireland where everyone's just there oh. to enjoy themselves. Like, you yeah. know, there was just so much going on everywhere, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. So football certainly came home that time anyway because uh, I was in, and, and it's funny, I think that I, I was my stag party. We went to air to a scooter rally and England played Scotland that day. It was a Saturday, a really sunny day and England played Scotland that day. Um, so it's not very often I support Scotland, but I was supporting them that day in the pub. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> We all support Ireland, by the way. So there you go. Well, well, we'll be we'll be playing each other twice this uh, this coming year. So uh, I have a bus over for the for the game in Glasgow. So we'll have we we're, we're hoping to get we're hoping that it's still alive for both teams. Then um, I will be. I don't fancy way, Ukraine away this time, but may not even be on. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe play Russia, right, Bobby? But well, you know, no bad jokes. <laughs> the, 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 or a part of Russia. The Bluebells is, is kind of the main, you know, oh, yeah. focus of your... Uh, yeah. It's a life, you know. You, you, you weren't born Bobby Bluebell. You, know, <laughs> you, you, you became Bobby Bluebell. Just just tell the listeners the, you know, the, the rock and roll story of, of the Bluebells. Well, it's, it's, it's that I had a... I was working in an architect's office when I left uh, college and then... Um, I was starting to go and see bands of my own, you know, I was just going to see things like, it was like uh, punk bands were starting up, you know, but Glasgow wasn't a really great place for punk gigs, so it used to be a bus from um, Bruce's Record Shop, to you out to Paisley, to two venues there, to see to see bands there, so I started going on the bus of my own, but I realised from going to Bruce's that there was, there was fanzines in the shop, where people wrote their own fanzines, and it kind of dawned on me that if I had a fanzine, I could get into the gigs for nothing, you know, right, and I could meet I could meet the bands. I could say, I've got a fanzine, can I interview you? So I, I did. And then the guy I was working for had a photocopier in, in his office, but he was never there. He was always away do, doing jobs. I was in there alone. So I realised I, I, could, I could do the fanzine in the office, print it, take it out to Bruce's, sell it, 
and, and go to go to gigs. So that worked really well for four issues. And then about the fourth issue, we were running out of bands to write about because there wasn't a lot of bands in Glasgow. So I started making up bands for myself, you know, like inventing bands and saying that this, this band's great. And one of them playing up was called 07. And then... And I'd met people from, from I met Johnny from Old Images at this point, and, and, and Jerry's brother was a manager, and Claire I, I'd known from school, from my friends from school. And uh, so, was, they, so I, I was doing this, and a guy called Alan Horn, who had a label called Postcard Records, said, uh, Hodgie, who's that band that you got in your fanzine? Uh, so I couldn't say to him, that's a band I've made up. So I had to go home and make up a tape, you know, like and said, oh, that's just what they sound like, you know. So I borrowed a drum machine off a guy called Davey Rudden who was in a band called Endgames and it had a guitar at home. So I made up this kind of song called uh, She Hates Travel but I just put out the words in a magazine. It was about Frank Sinatra was talking about Ava Gardner saying that they split up because she hates travelling, you know, right? So I, I more or less sang the words of that and I gave it to Alan and, and then a bit a week later he said, hey, I, I quite liked that, uh, that tape you gave me. He goes, hey, I, I wouldn't mind going to see the band, right? So I thought, God, now I've got to start a band, <laughs> you know, because I didn't want to come and see a band that didn't exist, you know. So, so Jerry, from, who's Johnny's brother, he got me a band. He, he he found me a bass player, a drummer, and a guitar player, and a, and a girl singer, right? And and took me down to uh, Govan Hill, and they were in a church, and he goes, "There's your band, like." So we rehearsed, and, and our first two gigs were supporting all the images at, um, at the bungalow bar. We were called the Oxbound Warriors, right? Jerry gave us that name. And then Alan said, uh, Kate me see and he said, uh, I quite like the songs, Hodgie, but your band are all Neds. He says, I don't know how Neds on my label, right? So, so foolishly, or maybe correctly, I, I sacked all the guys in the band and I, got, I asked Ken and David, who were in a band called Raw Deal that I'd written about in the fanzine, to play in the band and they said yes. And then we played and, uh, and, and, and Alan said, oh, I'll have you. We're going to, I was going to, we're going to be on Postcard, which is a really big label at the time, Orange Juice and Aztec Camera. And I remember him saying to me, you know, Hodgie, you got, you got bigger Neds than the, than the ones you had before. <laughs> you met Ken and David. I was going, but they live in Bodwell and they've got a stable. <laughs> you know, they, they've got horses. They're not Neds, you know. But uh, So anyway, we ended up in Postcard for a while and then people like, uh, we got, we did really well. We got on the whistle test, you know, without being signed up, and and um, we got front cover. It we got we got we got really lucky. You know, people liked us right away. We got a lot of press because Glasgow was kind of hot at the time. And then we had we supported Elvis Costello and he had a couple of hundred on too. And Elvis wanted to produce us, so we he produced us, and that really started a big a big race to sign up the band. You know, on the major, and we signed to London Records, and and then um, at that time, record labels. A gave you a lot of money and gave you a lot of time to to hone your art. It's like an apprenticeship, you know. So um, they stuck with us and we had hits and we did really well. So that was basically the story of the, the Blue Wells. You could have been a tabloid journalist if you hadn't made <laughs> making up bands' names. And <laughs> that's a history. It's a very short book. But obviously, when you start a band, Bobby, it has to be influenced by somebody. So, like, some people are influenced by, you know, experiencing growing up, being yeah. football or whatever. And of course, then music influences people as well. So, what what was the influences? You know, well, the biggest your... one was or- Orange Juice. To be, I mean, I was, a, I was a massive Orange Juice fan and a, and a big old Images fan. And Ken and David. 
their band was called Raw, Raw Deal, and, and we were all influenced by punk. But and then of course, for me, but the difference between me and Ken and, and David was. I really liked. I was a bit older, so I liked to play bands like the Velvet Underground and the Birds and Big Star as well. So they hadn't really heard of those bands. I hope I'm correct saying that. But so I brought that influence in, and 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 Ken and David brought in, you know, obviously the folk music because their father was big friends with Dominic Bean, and they brought in, you know, that kind of harder edge. Ken's and also Ken's a great singer. So you know, and David was a fantastic drummer. So it really, they brought in vital components you know and, and together we, we managed to make I think to create our own kind of song sound eventually it started with a very very basic like I said very like orange juice very like you know a lot of images very you know just beginning to learn how to do it well, me especially and, and the guitar player Russell and Lawrence the bass player we, we went we hadn't been in bands before so we were just really really getting getting working out how it, work, how it works you know but we did it very quickly yeah because I suppose like you know, as I said earlier on, you know, everyone was labels, you know, ska, punk, UAF, yeah, yeah. heavy metal. But in that period, I, I, like Dex is kind of, you know, you know, mixed soul with, with, with kind of folk and, and yeah, yeah. you know, the, 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 the fiddle and stuff like that. Use mixed, you know, that kind of punk attitude with folk. Where, yeah, yeah. you know, when you said, we said where the influence came from. And the Pogues had, had, had mixed Kaylee music. With punk, yeah. so all of a sudden, you know, this was, you know, opening it's up. Very, it's a very good way of putting it. It's absolutely correct as well. And, and, and fascinating, right? And and it, it, when I heard the Wakes in Glasgow, yeah, the band the Wakes, I, I thought, wow, this is this is this is great because at the time, all the bands in Glasgow, with maybe the exception of Shabin, who, who, who although they were doing rebel music, they had that kind of, yeah. they had that punk attitude, whereas you know. The drum and the bass was was coming into into the music in Glasgow, the Blarney Pilgrims. But the Wakes then took it. I thought they took it in another direction. Then they 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 kind of they, they introduced that kind of that punk anti-fascist attitude with yeah. this folk and and songwriting. And they made a decision, you know, that they weren't going to play pubs. They were going to start playing venues and become a, a rock and roll band. And Good for them, eh? and for me, that like for me, um, obviously the Pogues were a bigger band than the Wakes, but the Pogues were the London Irish. And yeah. we we no one ever really called a, a, you know a Glasgow Irish sound. Yeah, yeah. And I think the Wakes are, you know, and, and but it definitely, you know, and maybe unknown to yeah. themselves, they've definitely been influenced by Dexys, the Bluebells. I recognise I recognise that few on the top, but they they they've just what's happened. A lot of bands have been around bands for a long time. There's a certain moment you you, you get the the kernel of the realization that we're quite good, and and then the confidence. Kind of surges through you, you know, right? And that takes you that that gives you the the, the boldness to try pushing a direction that that's, that's your own, you know. Whereas you don't feel safe, you don't you don't, you don't no longer have to play a cover song. You can move into your own song because you think, we, you know, this is a good song. This is a good as a song that as as we're covering, you know. Yeah. So so that takes that's they probably got to that point. I've seen a lot of bands do it, but you know. All of a sudden, they have the courage. Simple Minds is a great example. When they're not playing the mass bar anymore, they're they're thinking worldwide. You know, they're thinking. You know, they're, they're hearing music all over the world, and they're bringing in electronics. And because they, they were quite a conventional band at the start, and then a sudden, they were they were right on on the cutting edge of, of of dance music. You know, electronic music, and they made they were bold enough 
and confident enough in themselves to, to take that big jump, you know. They weren't worried about losing any audience they had. They, they would get a bigger one. And the same with you too. I mean, I remember reading that YouTube book where they talk about Simple Minds and, and Bono's saying, they gave us the confidence to, not to be you two anymore, to, to think about not being big in Ireland, to, to be, you know, to, to take the stage show somewhere else, you know. I mean, I remember what you, you, two, you two were playing at Shark Clyde and all the images were supporting them. You know, and I remember Bono saying, Claire's too young to be uh, in a band. She was probably about 17, 16 at the time. And I was thinking, my God, you're, you're not much older, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, I thought it was a strange thing to say. I met them a lot of times with Dave. They're, they're great guys, you two. They've done all right themselves, yeah. Yeah. You know what? They're, they're, they're totally undervalued at the moment. People have got a big thing about sagging off Bono for being, you know, meeting George Bush and, you know, and you know, and, and put his hat on a plane to, to visit the Pope, you know, I mean, but they forget how, how, how good they were. And, I mean, I mean, it's not worth knocking them, man, you know, they made some fantastic records, That's, and, and uh, history will prove that, you know. You know, back then, especially, you know, when, when albums were, were, you know, on tablet pops and you had to sell records to be, you know, yeah. but now it's more live, isn't it, because of, yeah. you know, streaming. But, like, people voted with, with, with with their money for you two, and they, they, I've seen you, I've seen you two a couple of times myself. Um, I'm, not, I'm not a massive fan now, um, but yeah. I've, I, I have seen them a number of times from yeah. the 80s right up to recently. But um, you mentioned Simple Minds there, and, and in Ireland, like there's loads of bands never made it outside Ireland. Uh, oh, you know, from and we had a venue in in our hometown Drada called the Boxing Club, and they all played there on the way up. You know. They, they became big in Ireland and some made yeah. it in America like the Cranberries were massive in America but they all, they all played this venue yeah. so we were so lucky to see every Saturday night we seen a band and 9 out of 10 of them exactly. yeah. 9 out of 10 of them and you didn't care who you were going to see because it was the yeah. only venue in the town that had a you know yeah, yeah. a live you know, rock and roll venue and it was it was a shithole you know yeah. they, they sold large bottles of Guinness, Smittix and Harp or you could get a pair of them black the toilets were tiny and they were flooded generally there's a tiny <laughs> little <my> stage <laughs> but you know like everybody played there you know and if you yeah. know on the way up and then I, a lot of bands played on the way down as well you know a lot of the punk bands and, you <laughs> oh, know so so, 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 so so there was that as well like, um, no, there's no diamonds that up but remember yeah Tom Robinson Hazel O'Connor you know bands yeah. you see but then there'd be bands coming up and there was a mod band in, in Ireland called The Blades and they were meant to be you know, the jam. I remember when, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they used to do a double header in the bag of him, a midweek gig with you two. And it was touch and go who was going to be the biggest band. And it turned out, it turned out to be you two. But the Blades do, they get back together once a year. And it's not me a cashing in for Christmas gig. But, uh, <laughs> There's a few of them going around him over. But it, it's, it's actually <laughs> happening. It's, it's happening in a couple of weeks. So uh, it, it's going to be good to see them again. They're playing the Academy. It's still Christmas, but. Yeah, but Christmas gigs were cancelled for two years. <laughs> no, I so, so, so have, have to make it back. But the Glasgow music scene and the Scottish music scene, when I think back to, I was a teenager, you know, yeah. you had the Blue Bells, you had your big country, Simple Minds. Orange Juice, I said Camera, all the images. Orange Juice, I said Camera. Hipsley, I mean, you had so many bands. Like, like, there was, like, you can understand now, like, you know, that why so many of them got signed because there's so many good bands like in, in do, you want, do you want to help to it a lot there's a lot of competition but it was friendly you know like if, if, if you heard a good song by another band or went to a good gig it, it, it inspired you you know it, it 
it, it did make it, it, you wanted to get up your game, you know, right? So all the bands kind of like, we were, we were all friends, we all hung out together, we all shared the equipment, we all shared, you know, everything we could share, we shared, but it, it drove you on, you know, you, you I mean, I, I, in my band now, we've got a camo from Ashtech Camera, we've got, we've got Douglas from Article 58, right? You know, we've got, um, um, we're kind of dead, obviously, you know, but so we've got all, all the guys in our band, we played with James Kirkmore, just all the guys in our band, We've always we've been friends the whole the whole the whole period of time, you know. Mick Slaven, of course, from from uh, Bougie Bougie, and, and and so it's great now to be all in the same band together. And and and, it, and like I said, there's not a lot of angst, you know. I mean, maybe maybe in the mid '80s when we we're all on the charts, it was a bit more bitchy, maybe you know, for the right sense of word, because the press magnified. I, mean, I can make a joke to you and say that like, you know, Skin's a terrible singer, right? Because he's not a terrible singer. But if you if you put that in print, then People might think, oh, he, oh, he, it, there's no context of how he said it. You know, you might, obviously you're joking. By the way, I never said he was a terrible singer, but he's a great singer. But you, you get the point of making, you can speak a joke about your friends and and you know it's a joke, but in cold black and white print, it looks quite offensive, you know what I mean? So that's the thing that, that you have to be careful about, you know. And like I said, people slagging off you too. I mean, it's, it's a crazy thing to do, really, isn't it? You know, a, a band that sold that many records and... and but, I mean that that song one alone is just one of the best songs ever, you know. So yeah, and like the, the likes of you too with, with with the success, they there would have been a, a role on effect that a lot of young bands in Dublin and, and in Ireland would have started off because they kind of would absolutely. have looked. Oh, if they absolutely can do it, we can do it. And absolutely, probably the same in Scotland as well because like failed to mention Deacon Blue and. Yeah. Like there's so many like, and, yeah I know, and don't forget you two were probably doing the same thing that Orange just did tell us and all that just did for us encouraging up and coming bands giving them venues giving them support you know yeah. I mean I know they were so I mean people should never forget forget that alone and like you said that you know it's like Tottenham Court Road right there's a reason why there's 150 hi-fi shops there because people want to get compare everything you know they want to go down each shop and see what's there so the same with bands the more bands are in the city the better for the whole city, you know. You don't want just one, you know. Only that band's going to make it. You want you want as many great bands, as many great football teams, as many great football players as you can get. The better, you know. And there's Not so many one. great venues as well in Glasgow, like you've King Tut's, and that, that kind of amazing ones, you know, yeah, and, and different venues. size venues, like yeah. It was Glasgow's a great place, but I would say that era. It's probably as close as you're going to get to Liverpool in the 60s is, is what Glasgow was like in the 80s because it was so compact. I'm sure London has the same thing, feeling at the pump time, but like I said, Glasgow, I mean, I can, I can think of being in the Rock Garden in, in probably, say, 1982, and I was saying nearly every person in that bar got a record deal. You know, every person who was just in that bar drinking started a band who got a record deal, and that's probably, what, 150 people? You know, at, at that scene, who who are now, who were forever involved in the music scene. We've been involved in the music scene forty years later, and none of us thought we'd last four weeks. And I'm talking about all the bands. <laughs> I mean, I remember each year thinking, "Oh, oh, we're still going." You know, what I mean, you know, oh, oh, we're in the charts. Oh, 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 we're going to America. Oh, we're going to Japan. You know, like it was each day was a was a a push. You knew it was going to end. You mean, but but and nowadays, even if it ends, it isn't the end because. Your turn comes back round again, so yeah, and and even even now, like I I find, I think the Glasgow music uh, fans are very loyal 
I, I find them. I find really? they, they, I find sometimes, like especially with the YouTube thing in Dublin, and I probably slagged them off myself over the years. Yeah. You know, I think you know maybe it's kind of we have a kind of a case of you know, oh he got a new car, you know, yeah, where did yeah. he get where did he get the money? Like you know, yeah, yeah, instead yeah. of saying oh, oh it's it, it's a red car, it's lovely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we can be. A bit, <laughs> I think we can be a bit like that with music, but I find in Glasgow that um like. I went to see Paul Natini in, in an open air gig in, in Ireland and it was brilliant. And it was kind of an olderish group. It wasn't, and it yeah, wasn't yeah. wild and, and everyone was, you know, quite uh, conservative sitting down and enjoying yeah, the gig yeah. and, and it was a brilliant lineup. And then I went to see him in Belhouston Park because my wife's a massive fan and it was bonkers. And it was yeah. everyone from 16 year olds to 60 year olds. And, yeah. you know, it, it, it was it was like, you know, he's one of our own. And can I tell you? Can I tell you something? Right? See when the Pope came, it was exactly the same. <laughs> it was just gangs of kids on Buckfast having a party, man. Right? You know, it's a massive crowd, man. And like, there's probably more trouble at the Pope gig than there was at the at the uh, at the other <laughs> <laughs> gig. I'm serious. There was drunken priests there, you know. There was priests there out, out of the trolley, man. You know, it was a big gig for them, you know. <laughs> it's a folk band was great but. <laughs> but, but even like like and, and like, we talked about you know record sales and top of the pops you look at Jerry Cinnamon you know, Jerry oh, Cinnamon he's, he's done it on his own like without a record yeah. label like, he's, got, he's got a band now as well he's got a, 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 a kicking a really great band as well like it's, it, and he's he, he's crossed music genres because like my, my son goes to these festivals and I say who did you see and he might mention yeah. one band and he's been yeah. in a dance tent for three days yeah. Then he comes home and sleeps for a week. Yeah. But he said, "Oh, I went to see Jerry Cinnamon." He said he was he was brilliant, like you know. So there is that kind of you no. Know, he's he's going really across and over. You got those GBX mixes of Jerry Cinnamon that really helped. You know, George Berry that really helped Jerry Cinnamon because I mean we played them as well, man. And the, just Jerry Cinnamon over oh, a big huge typo track, man. You know, right? You know, but. Those kids love it, man. You know, like bits and pieces, all those songs. I, I play them sometimes when I was, you know going through that period originally, you know. And they're great records, man. I mean, if you really... I mean, like I said, people could be very sorry about dance music, but they don't, they don't get it. It's not, it's not made to be played in your house. It's made to be played in a, a big venue with thousands of people. It's made to make you go bonkers. It's not, it's not, it's not designed to be tasteful, you know. And, and that, that SW3 gig, it, it, I've seen the videos and the light show even, you know. Yeah. The light show was, was, was amazing. Like, and it was great. I... I forget who we played the next day, but anyway, I was maybe it was Dundee United, but we were in we were in the hotel like that evening after the game, and they were uh, just constantly talking about the gig, you know, the gig, yeah. the show. So it's kind of, like, and then again, it's back to Glasgow, like embrace the dance scene. It seems to embrace all all music scenes. It does, and the same people. It's funny. It's funny. We've got a great club in Glasgow called Optimo, right? And Optimo is like a musical education for a DJ and for and for a, a guy in a band. So my favorite bit of Optimo in the sub club was to go in right at the very start because my girlfriend walked here. But the music they played at the start was phenomenal, you know. And they they work up to the mad dance, you know, like like the, the, the sub bass would kick and, and you'd feel sick, right? But the music, you the, what you, the, the tracks that I found. Well, discovered my in October they discovered them and I heard them. I treasure those tracks to this day, man. You know, like and and, and they they became a big influence on, on on the songs that I wrote. You know, so that's going to, that's going to the club scene. Same with Texas and Johnny. I mean, I know it's the same thing for him. Same for, for Skin and Hipsway because we go out, you know, and we absorb 
even though we're older now, we still go to those places. <laughs> you know, we're the oldest person in the club, you know. So, but you still you're still learning about music, you know. And maybe that's the sort of thing that maybe that people, sh- you know, Bobby Gillespie, another great example. You know, you don't stop because you've had success. You know, we love music. You know, we, isn't we love our own music? We love music, you know, and we want to hear it, you know, we want to hear whatever the new thing is or the old thing is or what I've missed before. So have you played me a track I've never heard before? I'd be over the moon. Do you know what I mean? Like, like you're talking about reggae there, right? I'm one of those guys who think I know every single reggae tune in the world, right? It's impossible, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you oh. know, always yeah. able to discover, you know, and that's like Andy Weatherall's another fantastic example of that. You know, Andy Weatherall put on her, the first Blue Bells gig in London, you know, and years later, you know, He's probably 17, 18 at the time, you know, right? But, but you stay friends, and you, and you, and then to watch him progress. Obviously, he's, sadly, he's gone now. But he never stopped listening to records for one minute. And he played. He was. He he would play anything if he liked it. He didn't care what if it was U two or Gilbert or Sullivan. He didn't. It probably didn't even look at the label. He just heard the content, you know. And that's that's the most important thing, I think, you know. Yeah, I, I, I bought a, a lad contact me and said that someone was selling the, it was a CD collection of Scar and Reggae stuff. And uh, so I went and uh, I just bought it, you know, on the, and it was in a box in the attic for ages. And I started going through it recently. And and the reason I, was, I went through it was because another lad said to me, I'm giving away my CD collection, I'm moving house. So he said, no, there's some crap in it and there's some good stuff. You can keep what you want. So I said, look, I'll take the whole lot. So I now have two big boxes I'm going through. I was going through them last night for a couple of hours. And I'm going... And I have me phone and I'm checking the band out on my phone, you know, and I'm playing playing a song and I go, right, that's crap. But I'm finding some reggae stuff and I've gone, never, never, never mind that I haven't heard of the, the song. Yeah. I've never even heard, heard of the act, you know. And Well, we'll see when you come next time. I've got, I've got hard drives of it. I'll, I'll put it on a stick for you. Brilliant. You, stuff you will never believe, man. Honest to God, man. You know, Magic. I mean, really incredible. I mean, by leading legionnaires and stuff. I mean, right back to the start of it. And, and this... I mean, Jackie Mitu and all that. You try oh, to yeah. Jackie Mitu, brilliant. You know? I'm looking forward to that now. Baz will be getting yeah. excited when he's listening. <laughs> I have to find a big enough hard drive to put it on for you. <laughs> you mentioned you do. You started a fanzine to get the gigs. I started a fanzine yeah, yeah. in 1989. There was an underground scar scene in, in the late 80s, around the same time as Acid House, and there was a crossover as well. Um, and there was a local band, and Les would die during the COVID to sing at Trenchtown. And they were kind of like a punk ska band. And I always said if they had to be an American, they would yeah. have been, they, they, they were kind of pre-Rancid, but, you know, Rancid sounded yeah. like them rather than them sounding like Rancid. They took their influence from like Stiff Little Fingers, The Roots, uh, the two-tone movement and kind of mixed it in with, you know. So there's no doubt. Remember No Doubt? They were a ska band at the start, Yeah, you know? that's true. And actually there was three of their yeah, CDs yeah. in the box. Oh, right, there you go. And she's a great singer as yeah. well, man. She's, um, she's really good. But, but but so so they used to play in the boxing club as a support band force, and then they, because they, they had a big local following, and I just wanted to be involved, and I couldn't play an instrument, and I couldn't sing, so well I could sing, but was I, I was more suited for a punk band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's why I started the fanzine, and I always remember um, I printed, I went down to the local resource centre, and I said, look, I've, I couldn't even type, I got people to type bits, and <laughs> I, I'd, I'd cut pictures out of them. Laura Lincoln on the front it was Pritstead on the front and in Mark I had wrote Rare and Rude issue 1 50p and I printed, I printed 50 copies and I says right well if I sell if I go to 10 pubs and I sell 5 in each pub before the gig 
I'll ask me money. I'll get enough money to go to gig then and get a few bills. And it just goes to show, you know, with the internet now and the way people, you know, get their, their news now. I walked into the first pub, which was a rock bar called The Cellars. The first person I sold a copy to was Sandra, who's now my wife. And oh, good news. By the time I moved up and down, it was like, it was, if you can think of the cavern only for smaller, it's an underground yeah. kind of cave bar. And as I walked up and as I walked back, people were asking me for copies and I'd none left. I'd sold all the fanzines and it was, it was heavy metal people were buying them. Punk rock was buying them. They weren't into scam music, but it was a novelty to see, uh, you know, someone produce yeah. a fanzine. And I'd done that for a couple of years and, I tell you one thing, I did. I, I didn't get into many gigs free, but I got, I got plenty of free records. Bring me some of them. Bring you the hard drive. Bring me some fanzines, right? I, you Deal. know what? I, I don't have one copy of the fanzine now, but oh. um, of the, of that rare route. But I think my wife has still a couple. I think Brilliant. she's still a few. Even, even copy them again. Full yeah. copy of the one she's got. Just that, sell that, them again. You no, know, like it definitely wouldn't win the Booker Prize award. <laughs> you know, that, actually. But yeah, look, look, we, we spoke about the, the Glasgow scene, the, you know, your formative years, the bluebells, um, the talent that's coming through now. And it's great to hear you um, talking about the, the, the dance scene as well, because that might bring a few listeners, a few of the younger listeners in. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my daughter goes out clubbing all the time now. She's she's twenty one, and like, it's funny. I remember, remember when my daughter was about, she's probably about eleven. And then she's playing this song with the doors, right? And I come in and goes, oh, that's the doors. And she goes, how do you know about them? I goes, well, <laughs> well there's a famous band. And she, I goes to, uh, the singer's dead. He died in 1968. And she goes, what do you mean he's dead? <laughs> she had no concept. Oh, and I, I think that's a great thing about today, right? None of these kids have any idea of the timeline. They don't care. You know they don't they don't look at they don't have any slaves they don't care they, they press their button they go on YouTube or, or Spotify or TikTok and they just hear a song and the, whereas we were obsessed with the details when that guy was born when was his first record you know what I mean you know when was his the whole we we studied and studied and studied music nowadays it's just it's just I like that song and and that I think that's kind of great as well in its own way you know they don't care about who's in the band yeah and and as as a as a visitor to Glasgow on a regular basis, you know, from my start going to Glasgow, I thought like it's a massive football town. Massive fo- football is everything yeah. to, to yeah. most people in Glasgow. It's a massive music town because there's great venues. Yeah. And, and you know, and even like, you know, you can see some of the pub singers in the pubs and that. And like, you go to a, a gig, you know, you'll enjoy it, but you go to some of the pubs and the music and entertainment may not be, you know, top of the pops, but some of the characters you'll meet in there. Fantastic. It, it is a city full of, you know, um, it's just Dublin. I mean, I mean, Dublin, Dublin is an adventure town too. You know? I mean, I, I, I know it changed a bit, but I was there the last time I was there, I thought it was very different, you know. But again, we were going there in the eight, I changed a lot then. As I did in a few places, that guy had a big, that big Ron Rummacall about a club in, in uh, Dublin. The, the, the guy's father was the president, I think, at the time of Ireland. What's his name again? I can't remember the guy's name, but it was a really, really brilliant state-of-the-art nightclub, you know. Um, was it the tripod? I think it was a tripod, yeah, a big, a big glass, broken glass wall at, at the end. It was it was all broken glass, the design, you know, very yeah. plush place. I mean, we used to go to that place, Lily's Bordello, a lot as well, you know. Aye, that was, that was quite yeah, famous. Um... Yeah, 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 the girl was in there all the time, the girl from uh, that band, uh, uh, she was in there all the time, man, you know, um, 
it's a great, great place, man. You know, it's a really great place. Yeah, we, we kind of take the, the Dublin for granted because because we live in a kind of a, a town twenty forty miles away. Yeah, we, we have our own little scene, but we do. You know, they, generally you have to go to Dublin to see the bigger bands, or you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Drada's really. Point, I always say you know, Drada's a, a weekend town. Like, but it's, it was it's called just, the Point, wasn't it? The Point was that the big venue. The Point is the big venue. Yeah, I think it's called the O2 now or the Tree Arena. Or, and we saw that like, we went to see Leonard Cohen playing in the park. Really. That, that was a brilliant gig as well. That's man. right. He played in Kamenum. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. didn't he? Um, besides, besides Kamenum Jail, actually, that's another place full of history in Dublin. But that's what I see Glasgow as. You know, I see it as a place of football, music, uh, full of characters. Right. But, yeah. Like you're, you're from there. What is Glasgow to you? Well, I, I, I've lived in Glasgow my whole life. I had about three or four years in London. It was basically the only time I'm, I didn't live here. I, I mean, I've, I've been all, lucky to be all over the world. It's funny because, like, uh, I think everyone who comes to Glasgow is shocked at how how good it is. I mean, we've got we've got a Batgirl filming here at the moment, you know, so you've got all your, your actors here. And, and you, I, I think they'll be shocked at how Glasgow's got a really bad reputation. I don't know why, you know, it's been violent or dirty or, you know, all these things that that's thrown at Scotland, we're always the worst, you know, never the best. But, I mean, Glasgow's a fantastic place to live. And then you could, as you mentioned, all those bands you mentioned, the football teams, you know, the, the stuff that's come out of Scotland and Ireland, it is phenomenal. You know, and England, of course, as well, right? But, it's, but you know, Glasgow never seems to get the... the um, what would you say the kudos? Edinburgh's more pretty, you know. You know, you know, London's bigger, more wealthy. You know, Ireland's got a better crack, you know. But you know yourself, and you come over here, right? Have you, have you ever seen any trouble? You know, once in the blue moon, you know. But but it's no, the, no the vibe and the energy. Yeah, no comment, Ireland. <laughs> 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 but despite the, the danger. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really fantastic place to live, you know, right? And the it, it, I think what we've all got it, it, from Glasgow, I know there's rich people and poor people in Glasgow, but you be I think there's a, there's no not really a class structure in Glasgow where people you know people mingle everywhere. There's, so uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's a definitely a socialist thing. And I think Glasgow, despite what you might hear in, in the press. It's a very socialist country. You know, I know people keep saying, "Well, Glasgow's really conservative, or Scotland is really conservative," and you know, we, you know, we should stay in the union and blah blah blah. I mean, this and that, and it's all grouse hunters and guys in tweed suits. It's not. It's just Glasgow's Scotland. I would say around the world is known as being socialist. James Connolly, you know, you know the whole the whole you know Keir Hardy thing that began here. You know, right? you know, we have people in the pop bureau and in, in, in the Soviet you know government. From Glasgow, right, you know. I mean Scottish people went to Ireland, as you well know, English people too, Roger Casement, you know, and the American Revolution full of Scottish people. So we, we I mean, it's not we don't accept things. We try to, I think we're a very creative and progressive thinking country, you know, right? And I'm always upset when I see that rubbished in the press, say, or, or TV by, pe- by people who are also Scottish, you know, but it seems like they feel obliged to, to run it down. I mean, independence or, or non-independence, f- fair enough. I, personally, I'm pro-independence, right? You know, I'm pro-United Ireland. I'm not afraid to say, you know, uh, but I'm definitely 100% pro-socialist, you know, right? I, I mean, I think I, I Britain could be the country... 
I hoped it could be, and then I would, I would, it wouldn't be a case for independence, you know. There wouldn't, there wouldn't have been an Irish home rule movement, you know. That people aren't stupid, you know. They don't want these things because they they want a flag or a, or a, or a national anthem, or you know, or, a, or they want these things because they want their lives to get better, you know. And and sixty eight countries in the world have independence days from Britain, you know. Right? It's not like it's not like Britain's doing something right, you know. It's you know, Britain should be doing something right. That's the problem. That's the thing you want that we, we all want to happen. Oh, I've got political. <laughs> no problem. And, but the, with um, with football and and with music, you know, yeah. is, one thing that annoys us all is either the team we follow or the band we go to see or the DJ yeah. we go to see. And both football and and and, and gigs, there's no class structure there. You know, no. you you can, you can go to a game of football and everybody's the same whether, whether they're on yeah. the dole or they're a millionaire yeah. they're there, they're there they, they share the same passion for the team yeah. they you know they, they, they kick every ball and they go to a gig you know it doesn't matter how much money you have you can still dance yeah you know and, oh, and, and, but, but, but I need I need to how they began you know like what they began what, what, I mean just think about it how old are we now as a club you know over a century old right when we began to feed starving children and here we are in 2022 and we're struggling to feed starving children so you tell me what's what's changed you know in that in that time right nothing's changed the most food banks in the world and in, in the, the modern world are in britain you know right i mean people have to we have we rely on charity for lifeboats rely on charity for, for cancer other other governments take our tax money and spend it on that you know right they, you know, they don't have charity they have well-run countries that take care of people who are we, we, we strive in this country to reward the entrepreneur right you know or the richer you are the more rewards you get right and and the harder you struggle and the harder your life is or the tougher your body you know your body's broken down or you, if you're if you're, you've got some sort of like disability or mental disability the more you're abandoned you know right and, and any government of all would well, any government I aspire to have would 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 think let's help those people. You know, let's that's the ones we should be helping. Not not you know, people living in squalor, right? In twenty in the twenty first century in Britain, one of the richest countries in the world, you know, we had oil, we had everything going for us and and yet we've got now after seventy years we've got the highest taxation, we've got the lowest standard of living in thirty years, and no one thinks that's a problem. They'll think well, and, and then COVID, apparently COVID's defeated, but our Queen's got COVID. <laughs> you know, right? people, people blind and people are noticing, you know, the fact that everything that guy, they're telling you is a, is virtually a lie. You know, they, you know, there isn't, they take all the money from the Russian government and the Tory party and now they're talking about us, you know, or oh, you might have no gas because we're going, to, we're going to put sanctions on Russia. What happened to our gas? You know, what happened to all the things that we had of our own, you know? So, so these are things that that I mean. You talk about bands in football. People would people join bands because they were poor, or they had no prospect to get a job. They started became boxers, became football players. Right, that's his all working working class history. That's that's the myth, right? You know, right. Well, basically, that's not true, is it? You know, right. People wanted people want have to make a living, right? No one. I remember that. You know, no one really wants to work if they can avoid it. What they really want is a job. They work at, they, they really enjoy, right? My dad didn't want to work in government shipyards in a boiler in the middle of the night, you know, night shift from 16 till he died, right? He didn't want to do that, did he? But that's how he paid the bills. 
So that's that's, and then when I go to my dad, my dad goes, "Well, what you you know when you were growing up, he said, I didn't care what you did as long as you didn't work, didn't work like the same job that I did. That's what I want. I mean, the thing is now I want myself to be a rock star. <laughs> you understand? That's how much the, the paradigm shifted. You know, right? Where the working class, you know, was seen as being noble. You know, well, what they were went wasn't. It wasn't noble. They were just fodder. You know, they, they were given the lowest wages possible. Unions, where's the unions going? Unions used to be a really British thing. You know, when unions could change things. They, they could, they could have, we could have a, a, a government that, that we helped contribute to instead of Russians contributing to it. You know, but but the unions are gone. You can't, you can't strike. There's hardly any sick pay. The pensions are really, really low. So it shows you that the, the, the whole twist has gone from you know, in the working class community, which is now basically the unemployed community, you know, you know, and there's a guy the other day on the television saying that uh, Scotland, if they were independent, would would just be a country of, of people who take welfare. What 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 an in, you know what an insult that is, you know, to say that that everyone in this country is just choosing to be on the dole and, and claim benefit. Who does that? Who who? I, it's so hard to be on the dole anyway. It's it's almost like a sort of like university course to fill in the forms. <laughs> you know, like, you know. The, the, you have to wait six weeks to get a payment. You have to take a loan out. It's the same you in know. Ireland. Yeah, there you go. I mean, so, I mean, so why, aren't these, why aren't these governments doing, taking care of the people who need help? We don't, we don't need missiles. We've got miss, missiles in, in the Holy Lord. That's not stopping Putin, is it? You know, the only way we can stop Putin is to fire those weapons at them. <laughs> you know, and then they fire back at us. And then there's no, there's no point. Then we're all dead, aren't we? So I mean, so I don't, I, I don't understand really what the, what the, the thing is. We can, we, we're allowed to go and bomb Iraq, at will you know? But they, but, but we're good guys, you know. Even though it's been proved that there was no weapons of mass destruction, and the government didn't care anyway, they're still going to go to bomb them anyway. Every size as bad as the other. So just give us a good government, you know. Just give us politicians who care about the people who vote for them, you know. Yeah, I, I think a lot of politicians do become politicians to change stuff, but I think then they just become part of the status quo. They do, absolutely right. It's the same with SNP going to Westminster. They're now part of the Westminster process, you know, where they're getting their, their 24-hour bars and they're getting, you know, their free lunches and they're getting their expenses. It's a hard thing to give up. It's like me, as I say, joking about going to Parkhead, right? You know, like, I go there and I'm someone's guest and I'm treated like really, you know, really specially. I still want, I'm still happy to go pay and go to the ground, like I said, the, the old-fashioned way. It's horses for courses, you know. But the thing is, here it seems to be all they want now is a, a lordship, you know. All they want is a state pension, you know. I mean, I mean a, a um, bun from the government, you know. Right, you know they want to get a contract, you know. They want it's all about privilege. And, and I thought the one thing I thought growing up in the sixties and seventies and eighties was privilege was the thing that was going away. You know, it would become, you know, it would be what, how good you were at something to get the job. No, it's not, is it? It's back to the same thing as before. I'm someone's son, I'm someone's daughter, or I paid a thousand million pounds in the Tory party, so I'm going to be a lord. You know, the, 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 the rise. I mean, Mark, I mean, Marcus Rashford, he's been given a reward for saying the government shit. Basically, like, I mean, he's feeding children, and, and the government are going, thank you for feeding the children that we're not feeding. Yeah, it's, Do you understand what I'm saying? It's 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 almost like you know a surreal satire, you know, right? You know, let's reward these people who are doing the food banks because we can't be because it saves us doing them, you know. You know, just 
feet. I don't. I, I, don't I, 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 I know. You know. I know what's smiling here, but like it's it's so true. And Bobby, just before we finish, do you think yeah. that um, the music and the lyrics, you know, that that you grew up with, uh, because I certainly do. Um, yeah. They're so relevant now as they were back back in absolutely the absolutely spot on. Absolutely spot on. I mean, and the thing is, that's the classic greatness of music and poetry and plays and films, right? Someone every week is capturing the moment exactly right, nailing it, writing it down, filming it, like I said, right? And and every time you hear it, you realise that's exactly the situation that I'm in. You know, I I remember when I was growing up, right, there was a great song by Gilbert Sullivan called We Will, right, you know? And and like it was, uh, in in the morning, we'll all go downstairs and and get our cornflakes, right? You know, he's an Irish guy, by the way, Gilbert Sullivan. Have you ever got a chance to listen to that song? Every lyric in it is everyone's life. If I, if I think of my childhood, that that song always takes me there, right? You know, you're, we don't do it anymore, do we? You don't wake up in the morning, sit down, have breakfast together, your dad goes to work. What what families does that happen? And I would say very few, right? You know, you don't sit around and watch, you know, a film together anymore. If kids are on their phones or iPads or you're on your headphones or you or you're on Netflix, you know, but that, the beauty of that song and, and the family life it describes is, it's like, say, I don't know, like a Van Gogh painting, you know, it's a moment in time that, that, that will always resonate for me, you know, and like you say, there's probably a million songs, that that's why I love music, that just, I mean, it's like a very underground song that I can't stop singing at the moment, right, and the line is, uh, I've come to hate my body, right, you know, right, and as you get older, that's the one thing, at a time, it's your body. Your brain stays sharp, but your body's given up on you, man, right? You know, and, and it's, it can be the smallest thing, you know, and, you, and I always, every time I think of that, that song's in my head, you know, I've come to hate my body and all that it requires of me, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, was he going through that at the same pace? And then you realise, no, it's about a, a woman who's, about a guy who's changing into a woman, you know, physically getting the operations, you know, and I'm thinking, well, Beautiful, you know what? 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 Yeah. What? A, what a lyricist, you know. But it's when you talk about lyrics, and when I said, do you think the songs are, you know, still relevant now? We both agree that yeah. When you were speaking about Marcus Rashford, uh, yeah. uh, the House Martin second album, the people that grin themselves to death. Does it? Does Does the lyric? Does the lyrics in that, that song? Paul Heaton. Oh, yeah, Paul I, I had Paul on the yeah. podcast. Absolutely brilliant. I think we spoke for two or three hours. He was he, just he amazing. Was the perfect socialist pop star songwriter he, yeah. he's like I, I hate Paul Wells another one obviously Shane McGowan's another one Edwin Collins is another one who just capture exactly what it is like to be alive in Britain at that moment in time man you know and, and it's funny he's living now, when, you, when you mentioned Marcus Rashford Paul's living in Manchester he, he now lives in Manchester um, and when he wrote that album you know and, and that, that song it says um, even when the kids were starving they all thought the Queen was charming you know, and Fantastic. it's just the Marcus Rashford. It just it's it's like yeah. it's like someone says, "Oh, let's." It's like a comedy sketch. Yeah, you know, Marcus Rashford's out feeding, you know, feeding yeah, yeah. The, the kids, and then yeah. the Queen says, "Someone says to the Queen, you need to give him an award because he, he's 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 he's, <laughs> he's, doing, he's doing the government's job." You know, it's just you know, <laughs> oh, invite him to a garden party to thank him. You know, and give him give him cakes and scones. You know, like and it's it's crazy. The garden party costs more than it would cost to feed the kids. Do you know what I mean you know it's that mentalness that Britain's? I mean, other countries have got it too. Don't get me wrong, mate. But 
Britain seems to have no plan in place. I, I would say for the next hundred years, there's no plan in place. Keir Starmer is almost exactly the same as, as Boris Johnson come right down. You know, there's no plan in place where they think the system is wrong, right? And the system is obviously wrong, right? I mean, if, if you're talking about Celtic, right? Celtic form in Glasgow to feed children who are starving, that's a football club starting, you know, to raise money, right? And here we are in 2022, a football player is raising money to feed starving children. What? Where's the progression? No, no. There's no progression. No, it's just the same old, same old. You know, and then we, we, we the people, people like, like football players and people in bands like us, we're the ones that created diversion that made people ha- people take their minds off. You the know, shit life. Yeah, it's maybe we're complicit in it all as well, you know, because it's, it, there is no, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not using, I'm using the words, look behind you, you get that Tom Robeson symbol behind you, you know, you know, you know, from, uh, up against the wall, right? You know, and the whole turmoil was in ethos. Not a great writer, not a great socialist. You know, where people in the seventies, sixties, eighties, I would say nineties, realised that something badly was going badly wrong. Now there's a kind of like, you know, acceptance of it. Things are going wrong, but there's nothing we can do about it. That seems to be the, the general malaise, doesn't it? Everyone knows that that guy's a bad one, you know, right? We can't do anything about it, you know. That's it. That's just that's just that's just cool. And then, like as you would say, maybe Ireland's exactly the same thing, you know. Yeah, like I'm not even going to go into a debate on yeah, Irish exactly. politics because yeah, yeah. that's a whole the whole other episode, know, Bobby. Bobby, um, we, we've covered <laughs> we've covered some amount of ground, and it's 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 funny. I love having um, people who who've who've lived the life in bands on because we've you know, get, get Bobby on. Bobby'd be great on this. Yeah, I'd love to have him on. Um, yeah, yeah. We've had, we, we did reach out now, but he, he didn't come back to us. Um, right, like when Paul Heaton was on, Paul was probably probably the first non-Celtic fan we had on. If I if I think so, oh, we we did a we through the podcast. It's given a platform. People thought, you know, oh, this is going to be a bit sad, but it's actually not. It's people who share our values because we've we've had the Devon and Walkers on when they were on strike. You know, we've done a Maradona yeah, tribute from someone who 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 grew up um, in Napoli. Uh, but now lives in Glasgow, which was which was great because it was easy to get. Um, and we've had you know politicians, um, yeah, yeah. Pop, pop stars. But the Paul Heaton one was was is probably our most listened to. And one of the other ones that was was we got a huge relationship was um, Peter Hooten from the Farm, who who was in Hillsborough. And, you great know, guys, yeah, man. Oh, that's fantastic and, and, guy. Like, someone, like, and it's always great to hear. Um, it's always great to hear people's stories because I always find that people who who sit down and write lyrics and, you know, play in bands, they, you know, t- to write decent lyrics, you have to be, you have to be aware of what's going on around you. And sometimes, and you know, sometimes I interview footballers and football is their life. You know, they were working class, they became footballers and they made money. And then, Absolutely. so, 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 so they didn't really, they, they, whereas I find with some of the, some of the, the bands, um, people that were in bands or, or you know, even like, the likes when we had Paddy McMenamin man, we got a great listenership for that because Paddy was was a prisoner yeah. in cages and he had he had something to tell you know and how he progressed himself in education at fifty. Oh, I like to yeah, and his book too. You mentioned his, 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 his book is brilliant, Bobby. Um, I, I started and it's one of them ones. And Alan Thompson's just arrived in the post today. Thomas sent him one, and I'm going. You're going to have to wait, Tom, because this book is getting this book is. Paddy's he, he, he was at the game. He was at the game the other day. I seen that. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I seen yeah, him yeah. below. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm kind of just him right? in Glasgow a lot as well, man. He's he was he was crazy, man. He he lives right in the West End as well, man. You know, 
Chris Lang. He, he, he's he's a good one. Not, uh, no, he does. Um, what does he? What was he singing? He puts his karaoke thing. I've been at karaoke with him. I forget what he sings. I think it's I think it's blue jeans or something. You know, um, blue, uh, do diamond yeah, forever so, in blue yeah. jeans. I, yeah, I, I think, think that's his party talk. piece. But yeah. listen, um, Bobby, it's been brilliant talking. Thank you so Thank much you. for taking time out to chat to me. Um, as I said, listeners, if you, if you like what Bobby's talked about, check out Peter Hooten and Paul Heaton and uh, and the likes um, on the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for letting us into your Celtic you, soul. And we'll catch up soon in Glasgow. And I look forward to seeing the Bluebells for the first time live on yeah. stage. I, 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 let me know when you're coming. I'll, I'll give you that, that hard drive of the, of the, of the reggae stuff, okay? Oh, I, 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 I look forward to that. If you see Johnny, okay. give, give it to him. He'll give it to Mikey because I meet Mikey at most games. I will do, but, but I won't see Joyce in tour for a long time, so I'll be, I'll be hard to see him, you know, now, you know, I think he's back in March, but I'll, if, if I see him before, I'll give it to him for you, for sure, okay? No problem. Well, hook up by me, Bobby. Um, as I said, thank you so much for letting us into your Celtic soul. Folks, thanks very much for listening and the continued support of the fanzine and the podcast. Uh, if you want more information on us, visit CelticFanzine.com, where you can become a member, subscribe, buy a fanzine or a t-shirt, or some of our merchandise, and you can donate for the price of a point, because we do not go behind a Patreon wall, and all our content is free. So the journey continues on Sunday, when we take on Hibs at Easter Road. Hopefully I'll bump into one or two of our listeners in the city on the day. So from me and Bobby, enjoy the weekend, and keep the faith. Thank you so much. Bye now. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.